and welcome to The Process, a podcast about creative people and their creative processes. I'm Kevin Hugerworth. And I'm John Lee. And today we have our biggest guest ever. Ever. If, if you're here today and you've never listened. Yeah. Uh, hello, new listeners. Hello. Inevitable we, new listeners. We're extremely likable. You can we're subscribe. To, you can listen. We have so many episodes. You don't have to listen to them, but I mean. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> uh, today we have Edmund McMillan. Uh Binding of Isaac, Super Meat Boy. The End, the end is, is Nigh. nigh. A, bunch sh- other, a bunch of other stuff. And we, we got to talk about The End is Nigh before yeah. it was out. Yeah, before it anybody, awesome. before it was announced. Before he had been like teasing this secret project and we got yeah. to see it and it was like super dope. And I was like, I'm going to release it like around <laughs> the time the game comes out and the game's out. And now I haven't played it yet. And, but, now, it's, and now here's uh, the episode. Yeah, now whatever. Here it is. Edmund Mullen. Uh It was really cool. It was awesome. Um, I regret not uh, using his bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, I, I wanted to use his bathroom, but, like, I felt weird. But then I'm like, I'm sure he's got, like, like a Gengar-shaped toilet or something. Yeah. He's, uh, it, like, it, he's, it, he's a huge fan of Pokemon well, it was, Go. It was, inc- <laughs> it was, oh, yeah, he, I mean, he talks about Pokemon Go being, like, his favorite game to come out recently. And uh, it was so cool. So he lives uh, in Santa Cruz, um, which is very, very close to my hometown. I li- I'm from San Jose. And so me and John uh, took a road trip down there, and we got to go to Edmund's house. And it's, yeah. like... Thanks it, to the McMillans for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Because Kevin just like tweeted at him. Yeah. And I think he may have agreed to it without knowing that we're a couple of idiots. Yeah, but, but it was... Uh, it worked out. It was awesome. Like we got to see... Uh, I mean, it, his house is like a nerd's dream. Like It's this, so it's, cool. It's like, like... It's huge. It's in the mountains. It's like out of the way. And there's just a bunch of nerd stuff everywhere. But right. in like... A cool looking, like in an adult way. Like, I, I, you think of some kid with a bunch of action figures in their room and posters on the right, wall. Yeah. This is like, this. his entire house was the adult version of that. Everything's like pristine <laughs> and in good condition mm-hmm. and a little scary, if and, I'm going to be honest. And there's Pokemon stuff everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, the best. And there's an entire wall devoted to Scrabble, which he was like, that's not my wall. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was, it was awesome. Uh it was really nice, and, like, I, yeah, I don't know. It's funny, because, like, this is probably, for a lot of you, your first introduction to this podcast. Uh, we, <laughs> this is our most professional yes, interview. Yes, it is. We're very, like, <laughs> NPR, like, yeah. as if we're on, a like, television or something. Just like It's not very yeah. bantery or shitheady at yeah, all. Yeah, normally we just joke around, and it's very mm-hmm. off the cuff. This one, we prepared a lot. We yeah. were so, uh-huh. I was so nervous. It was yeah. very stoic. Binding yeah. of Isaac Rebirth is my favorite game, so it was yeah. like... Kevin and I got, was... the, I got the lore wrong. I, I asked him a question <laughs> about the lore, or I like was Did talking really? about the lore, and I got it wrong. Oh my uh, gosh. I might, cut, I might have cut it out of the episode, because it. it's embarrassing, it. but if it's in the episode, you heard it here. Do you address it on the... Or is it just like a mistake? I say and you it, don't and he's just it. like, well, he he like corrects me very oh, like. Oh really? I, I'm just like, uh, yeah, and like Blue Baby is Isaac's soul, and he's like, uh, and he's like, oh, actually, the well, the lamb is his soul, but and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I just, oh man, embarrassing, oh, so embarrassing. What a, what a huge idiot! Jeez. All right, all right. Well, let's get into uh, it. Let's get into it because uh, because no one's our fans yet, and yeah. we gotta like entice them. We're just gonna get into right the part they want it. and talk to Edmund. McMillan. Let's do it. All right. Season four. And we join Season them four. in a conversation already in progress. I'm just going to record us. Uh, so just say a few things. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything you want. Pokemon uh, Valentine's Day things happening. Yeah. You guys checking that out? Oh, wait, wait, really? Uh, Pokemon yeah. Go. Oh, for Pokemon right? Go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I haven't played for a few Lick weeks. Lick of Tongues. 
Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> Licking tongues for Valentine's and, Day. Yeah, and chancies. Pink, pink things, right? Yeah, pink yeah. things. There's okay. like the pink. But I, like, I didn't have a lick of tongue or a Porygon. I mean, that's mostly all her. Right. Out there. I'm not even really a big Scrabble fan. I mean, you have a giant Scrabble, a Scrabble wall. Magne- it looks fucking cool. Wall, yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> it's magnetic. A magnetic Scrabble wall. Yeah. I feel I'm not, like the, uh, I'm not the best speller in the world. <laughs> I always have to like. I lose sometimes. Be like, so. okay, <laughs> I'm not going to probably spell this right. Give me, give me some leeway here. <laughs> Are you like incredibly competitive, like as as someone who designs games, or is it not? I'm not remotely it? competitive. Okay, interesting. Like yeah. it's, I, I wish I was more competitive, because <laughs> um, I have friends who like to win. But it's like, I don't know. I, I like having fun more than right winning. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell us about how long you've been uh, in the business. Um, I, I don't know when you, when you like count starting because i i've been making mm-hmm. independent games for a while but i didn't even think that there was like a, it was like a business or anything mm-hmm, right like yeah. um i think probably when i started working for chronic logic um which made this game called bridge builder back in like the early hmm. 2000s late 90s and um around that time i was making websites i had my own personal website which i had put like a bunch of like comics i turned like most of my comics from high school i turned them into like interactive flash not games. I don't know what sure. you call gotcha, them. Gotcha, yeah. And uh, I was looking for work, and there was just a company down the street that was an independent game studio, which they, they didn't refer to themselves as independent. No one did. Mm-hmm. It was just a video game studio right, down yeah. the, a few blocks from where I lived, and they were looking for an artist to mostly do, like, in-game art and cover box art. And then when did you start doing games for Newgrounds? Because you that was, like, where you kind of Same got... time. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, um, maybe a year before that. But again, I didn't... I was just making flash interactive yeah. flash things. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. Uh, I had uh, buddied up with Tom, um, who later went on to make Alien Hominid and Castle Crash. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Start the Behemoth. Um, he kind of like took me under his wing, and we started working on a game called Serious P Shy. That was my like first game that I was working on. And never P Shy. P Shy. I never really <laughs> saw the light of day for yeah. like. Uh, because he had to work on this game called Alien Hominid, which right. I was like, oh, it's going to be a console game. And I'm like, yeah, well, how well, was that going to happen? But it was like, the, <laughs> again, it was like the first independent physical release. Like, yeah, they, they released in stores, which was insane. Um, yeah, I remember, well, I remember seeing that, like, it, it was just surreal because I, I grew up just playing a ton of Flash games like all the time. And so it was it was cool to see like that kind of like the box art. Just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I remember it being a big deal. Oh, I bought it. I, I, I worked at GameStop then and I got I got myself a copy and it was totally surreal to see but it was kind of like it kind of set that that bar for me where it's like that this is where i can go like yeah totally now it's there and it's like oh i can there's a possibility of me if i get serious in a company i can make a game and it can be sold in stores yeah well and uh after plus is coming out for the switch right in a mm-hmm. physical form is that that's your first physical release um first physical release in the u.s on console okay cool um i Back in the day, I released most of my games on PC and like random stores like Fry's and stuff like that through like mm-hmm. smaller companies. You don't really make any money and no one really sees it. But right. <laughs> I, I, I mostly did it because I really wanted to see the physical box in the stores. Okay. And uh, I think I even have some pictures of like the first time going <laughs> over there. And yeah, but I mean, that kind of basically set set the bar for me as far as like, OK, this is achievable. I need to work towards this and about the time where tom was like sorry i can't work on this game with you anymore because i got to do alien hominid i'm like well 
I need to find another person that programs because I really want to make a game. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, Chronic Logic, um, which was like basically Alex Austin, who who um, he was just known for his physics mm-hmm. work. Um, I wanted. I basically was like, okay, I'm going to design a game around this guy's physics engine because this is what he's really good at. And um, I came up with the concept of Gish, which was my first like sold title. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked on that for I think eight to nine months before we finally released it. And that kind of opened the doors for everything. Like I didn't know what the independent games festival was. I think it was probably on their f- third or fourth festival at that point in time. And uh, we entered in that and got into the finals. And then the next year we actually went up against alien hominid. Oh, wow. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's and, great. And we beat them. We shouldn't have, they, uh-huh. they should have won, but sure, sure. They, the way it usually works is like the underdog usually gets. Yeah. Oh, okay. gotcha. that makes sense. Right. Yeah. After Gish and winning the IGF, it was kind of like, the, the bar had been raised up there and I didn't see past that bar. Right. Uh-huh. Like at that point in time, there was no Xbox live was bubbling and this okay. was from the original Xbox. Uh-huh. And, um, I think there's a game called wick wick and the fable of souls that came out for it. It was like a bunch of like random kind of obscure games that were for Xbox live, which I don't think anybody even realized was there. Uh-huh. Right. Everybody was playing like halo one at that uh-huh. point in time and stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, kind of trying to figure out what's next after this because I'd kind of already achieved that. Like, where do I go from here? What do I do? So started getting contacted by a bunch of different people. And one of the options was to do Gish on Xbox Live. And that was like the best possible scenario. Because right. at that point in time, there was Steam wasn't available. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. X, X, like there was no Xbox Live anything for anybody else. So no console anything. And... Most independent games were sold for 20 bucks, and if you're lucky, maybe sold 50,000 copies. That's like right. the best case scenario yeah, uh-huh. you could do. Um, I think, like, in its lifetime, uh, Gish probably made a few hundred thousand dollars split between three people over eight years or something. Oh, wow. So, and that was considered a huge success back then. Yeah. Like, that was a big deal. But the, the Xbox Live stuff was like, oh, here's a huge option. Like, here's, here's a way to get your game to a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And it was like right at that mo- point in time that chronic logic broke up. Oh, so like gotcha. all the deals and stuff that we had just kind of went nowhere. There's the two directions. Like there's the financial and then there's the creative. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if I'm, if I'm not gonna, I was still working at GameStop and whatever else. Right, uh-huh. Like if I'm not going to achieve this financial success, <clears throat> because even at that point, even alien hominid wasn't, like blowing up right you yeah know, uh-huh. it's, it wasn't until castle crashers yeah, yeah and yeah. xbox live on 360 that's when it's like boom like uh-huh, that was right. by like 2007 2008 was when like all the all the indie games exploded yeah like um, that was, was that around the time like braid came out and yep, yeah braid yeah. and world of goo oh right yeah. um castle crashers those were like the big ones and the- i knew all those people and like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and like it was just so surreal to have this like you, you, the options were all there you know mm-hmm. what i mean and it's like you know seeing all these people, all my peers, like all these people that I respected and worked with in many different ways over the years. Um, it was just so crazy to see them blowing up. Yeah. Like definitely. it was just like insane and all these options that I didn't even realize were, were there. But, um, yeah, like as that stuff opened, the doors just slammed shut. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, oh no, uh, the company's breaking up and, uh, we've got to figure out how to get Gish how to get the IP and mm-hmm. all the legal stuff and all the bullshit that went along with that. 
Um, we formed a new company called Cryptic C, tried our best to gather up what we had, um, ended up working with Cryptic C for a few years, um, and nothing really happened. We were trying to work on Gish 2. We released a game called Blast Miner, which didn't do well at all. Mm-hmm. It, did, it did come out in stores, but it was just kind of like not well received. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was very odd. It was an odd it was an odd kind of depressing time. Yeah. And um, I think I kind of used that to motivate me. I went backwards. I went back into Flash. Um, I went back online. Um, this was around the time that like you could get your game sponsored, mm-hmm. and um, that was for maybe like a two grand or three grand back right. in the day. And it was basically, and you'd advertise for somebody, and that was that was it. And I I started churning out tons of different flash games, and the cool thing was is I got to kind of like branch out a bit as far as like I was used to making. Um, similar to what I did with Meat Boy, a game just like something else. It's like, right. like, oh, this is like Mario, but my style. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. And like, in a lot of ways, kind of Gish was like Mario, but my style also with this guy's physics engine. You know, that was uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah. like, and I was trying to branch out and do more weird, experimental things. And um, I uh, got contacted by this kid. He was like 15 at the time. His name was Florian, and he was from Austria, and he could kind of speak English (laughs) (laughs) and uh, he was a big big Gish fan and he would send me all these prototypes that he would make he was trying to kind of recreate Gish in Flash and he was doing things that I'd never seen done before and he was kind of like coming at he not at all traditionally trained Uh, he learned himself he experimented with with a lot of different decompiling different things and Mm -hmm. just kind of rebuilding them and everything he did was very physics-y he was very inspired by Alex and, and his physics engines and uh, he tossed this thing at me. He would always throw me his prototypes, and one of them was um, the spider game. It was You just played as a spider, and you can move around his legs. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool, and I was like, well, I have this idea that I want to do. I want to experiment with, like, moody, moody, moody themes, kind of depressing themes, and um, see if I could get the player attached to this uh, spider. And because if you physically move them around, you actually have to be delicate with them and whatever else. And, mm-hmm. um, that ended up becoming triacnid. And, um, I think we made that in like maybe a month and a half, two months. And that was the first of many different flash games that I made around that time. And I'm just kind of like slowly building these. I just wanted to do a new IP every single time. Yeah. I just wanted to do weird stuff and coil and a bunch of other odd things and try to like branch out as much as I can. And I was pretty much doing what I had done previously in, in, in uh, comics. I had done a bunch of like independent comics and um, which ranged from like comics that are loosely based on my personal life to just absurd, obscene, offensive things <laughs> to more introspective, almost weirdness. <laughs> what are you doing? No, that's okay. You're oh, fine. Totally yeah. Fine. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Or we might keep it in for authenticity. This will this will be the only part we keep in. We'll cut yeah. everything out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was like, Why are you interrupting me? You totally lose your train of thought. Yeah, I love that style of like that combination between like gross and adorable almost. Like the Yeah, I mean 
you can get away with so much. You can go so dark if you make things <laughs> uh, cute. Like, yeah, oh, true. Right, yeah, like, it's so true. It's it it, it is beautiful. Well, and just uh, just playing Isaac, I always forget. Like sometimes I, I realize like what I'm playing, and like, like I take a look at it, and I'm just like, oh, this is like grotesque, and I just forget. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like that. I mean, in a lot of ways, that was. In a lot of ways, a lot of my games themes are kind of me in a very roundabout way, almost getting off on the fact that I'm forcing people to witness <laughs> and experience right. these really dark, odd parts of my brain, I guess. Yeah, like, right. And like, it, it's just, I mean, I was always the kid growing up that would find this new weird band that was kind of abrasive and... And, and weird and I'd find some way to like finagle playing it to for the class mm -hmm. uh -huh. and it was kind of like or or uh, I don't know if you guys seen the movie Dead Alive um, it's called Brain Dead over in the UK but uh -huh. um, Peter Jackson movie super gory and uh, I was able to like show the class that because I was able to it was like I think it was probably like ninth tenth grade and uh uh, a substitute teacher came in. I was able to convince this person that we were going to watch this movie <laughs> and it was totally fine. Yeah. And the whole class watched it and most uh, half the class just walked out and left because they couldn't deal with it. <laughs> That's definitely the kind of kid I was growing up. Uh -huh. And, and, and uh, what do you think like inspired that or like just those kinds of interests? I don't know. I, I think in a lot of like maybe narcissistic ways, I find these things and I think they're so fucking cool and I don't understand why other people don't like them. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I just want to show them because yeah, I know totally. that there's a high probability that they might really, really like it. Uh -huh. And okay. like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy the stuff that people don't like to talk about for whatever reason. And the, it's the, it's that stuff that interests me the most. It's like, why, why not? Right. Yeah, totally. yeah. Like it's here. Like we might as well explore it. Like I, I like I remember vividly growing up um, when I was like four, five, like four to like seven. I had this little Fisher Price recorder. It was from the 70s. I think it was like off colored brown tan. Mm -hmm. um, pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, a bunch of cassette tapes. And I would record myself. Um, I would do like talk shows mm -hmm. with a bunch of little bits and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'd. They weren't remotely funny at all. <laughs> like, I, I remember finding the tapes and thinking like, I would just like sing chorus lines of songs and then go, let's go over here. And then I would like try to interview my sister and just let's say weird things. Here. But then it would like, then it would like, you get to the end of the tape and then you'd hear, you'd hear me like go, fuck. <laughs> and then like, motherfucker. <laughs> You're whispering and it too. I, I love that. I, and I would like, because that's what I would do. At uh -huh. night, I was like, okay, well, why can't I say these things? Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I want to say them, and I want to hear, like, what's so oh, interesting. crazy right. about what what's I'm doing. What's all the fuss, yeah. yeah like, what, what's going on here? I mean, like, as as you're, like, uh, designing The Binding of Isaac, is as, as you're doing it, as you're like, oh, I'm just going to push that envelope, I'm just going to push it, I'm going to offend, or is it really, is it all just sort of... My, my goal definitely isn't to offend. Okay, yeah. Um, it's very easy to offend people, very, especially right. now. Uh -huh. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it takes no effort at all. Like, mm -hmm. if I wanted to offend people, I could say a few words and that would be the end. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. it's um, and I and I do I I think a, a a lot of people do even fans miss that they they um, they'll be like oh you know yeah you you're that kind of guy and you'd say this and mm -hmm. whatever and it's like no like they're there's um, an art to exploring things that may be offensive to most 
without kind of like crossing that line into just being obscene. Yeah. Um, for shock value. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's never, it's never really my goal. Like I am the things that people might be offended by or might be grossed out by, or might be put off by, I'm not putting those things to put people off. I'm putting those things in because I genuinely am interested in those right, things. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, I'm never going out of my way to, um, just shock value, but and not to say that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. like there, there are times where in the past where I definitely have gone that direction and, and it's definitely can be very fun to, um, poke and prod people. And, uh, so when it comes to a character like super Meeple, how did, how did you ultimately land on that name? Were there other names that were like contenders or was it always oh, yeah, just, yeah. um, um, I, I, I tend to sketch things out and, um, a bunch of different design books and stuff that I have different characters uh-huh. that I think are interesting. All my characters usually have like severe flaws, usually severely vulnerable, right? Uh, yeah. like fragile, very, very, very uh-huh. fragile and, and just kind of gross, I guess, ugly and weird. Just makes it more, you know, you attach yourself more to something that you need to feel like you need to be gentle with or, mm-hmm. or whatever else. Uh-huh. And then there's also like, you know, me boys, a boy without skin. And <laughs> it, the idea of like just being skinless and, and having all your nerves on the outside and, right, and, yeah, and, uh-huh. and then just running him through salt <laughs> and saws. And, you know, at some point just in time I had exposed. sandpaper stuff on yeah, paper, you know, right. just that, that sort of stuff. Like it, I like the idea of like the cringy, like, uh, and it gives the game stakes, like yeah, like he has no skin. <laughs> uh, who, um, and then who are the other the, the other two the other characters in a uh, oh, in B- Bay Girl and mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Fetus? Yeah, right. Those, yeah. those are all designs. Like I mm-hmm. I had um, around the time when I did, I think I did Time Fox Spewer and Meat Boy all like one right after each other, and those were all kind of characters that I just had on paper that I thought were were interesting mm-hmm. and. Um, Meat Boy was originally the Meat Ninja. He was mm-hmm. basically he just looked like Meat Boy with a ninja hood. Right. But excuse me, at that point in time, there was a game called N that had come out, and it oh, was cool. mm-hmm. you played as a ninja. Oh. And I was like, oh, I don't want right, to. Yeah. It's already a platformer. Uh-huh. You yeah. jump off the wall, so I don't want to, you know, put any more nods to this and be like, oh, people just rip. I ripped. I didn't ripped off in. I, yeah. I, I rip off a lot of people, but I wasn't trying to. <laughs> yeah, right. I wasn't trying to rip them off. Not yeah, trying to rip totally. off in. Try, try to push it away. The funny thing was, around the same time, I had also people when we started um, uh, before Super Meat Boy started development, and Meat Boy had come out. A lot of people were like, "Oh, you're just ripping off this game called Jumper." And I looked at Jumper. I'm like, "Oh, this looks very similar." <laughs> like, yeah. Oh no. And it's just that same like red cube uh-huh. jumping around and stuff like that, and. Um, I thought it would be. That's when I actually got in contact with um, Matt Thorson. That the guy that made Jumper eventually went on to make um, Towerfall. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, is that uh, like Towerfall Ascension? Was there? Yeah. Is, okay. Cool. I love that game. That yeah. He uh, he's like the king of platformers. That guy's so good. He's working on one now too. I think it's called Celeste. Um, but yeah, I got I got in contact with him and I was like, hey, just so you, so you know, it's like it's always so awkward like communicating with somebody else and trying to convince them. That you weren't trying to rip them off in yeah, any way, shape, or right, form. Yeah, like, uh-huh. The games were very, very different, mm-hmm. uh, but the character was still a red cube, <laughs> right, and there yep. was it was a platform. <laughs> there is that game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I ended up um, kind of budding up with him and uh, helping him out with the sponsorships and stuff like that, hooking him up with different people, and he ended up making the move from Game Maker to Flash, 
Um, he made a bunch of games. Um, I think one called Money Seize and Give Up Robot. Mm -hmm. Those were pretty big back then. And then he did Towerfall and whatever else he's working on now. But uh, uh, I put Jumper... Um, Ogmo's the name of the character. I put that, him in Super Meat Boy. Oh, yeah. oh really? Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. cool. Because so cool. many people were <laughs> saying, rip off, rip off. All right. And it's like, well, like, oh, here well, he is. Yeah. Here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and then, because uh, uh, like you said, a lot of your games are just kind of your version on like Super Mario or like uh, like Isaac is very Zelda dungeon yeah. inspired. Uh, so what's that, that process like of uh, kind of, what's your like starting point and where do you go to put your own kind of feel on that game? Um, with Isaac, it was super specific. It was quite literally like, well, number one, as mo most people know, I didn't think that Isaac would be a popular game mm -hmm. in any way, shape, mm -hmm. or form. Um, if I did, I wouldn't have made it in Flash. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was literally my vacation break um, from Super Meat Boy development. The, you mm -hmm. know, the game had come out, and um, and uh, Tommy had taken a vacation with his then girlfriend to uh, Hawaii, and I don't travel. So it was kind of like, I really want to break too, but I'm going to be like real with myself and be like, what would be the most relaxing thing? I think at first it was like, I'm going to buy a bunch of Legos and just do Legos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, like it, I want to make a game with no expectations, with no pressure, none, 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 yeah, none. Right, yeah. And, uh, a free rate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I want to go balls to the wall with it because in a lot of ways, Super Meat Boy was playing it really safe. Mm -hmm. Like uh -huh. I was strategically choosing the right IP at the right time. <laughs> totally. Like it was, it was my most accessible design. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Um, I knew the characters were well liked from the, from the prototype. Uh, I knew that it had legs because the prototype, um, and flash had been played millions, like maybe like 12 million times oh, by wow. the time yeah. like me boy started development. Um, so, you know, I was, I want, and I, in platformers, I had made a billion platformers before that. So I knew what I was doing and I'm yeah. going to play it safe as possible. And, and, um, if I'm investing two years of my life and all my money into this project, it's hopefully make my money back. Um, but with Isaac, it was like, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to, I have the freedom now to do whatever I want to do. And I want to do something weird and I want to do something randomly generated. And at the time I had been playing a bunch of, um, Old traditional rogue roguelikes. Um, the main okay. one um, is Crawl with the stone. It was called like Crawl Stone Soup. I think the visualizer was called Stone Soup. I'm not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. But those games were just so good. And it was so weird to me that like nobody was playing them. Like they weren't at all. They're so unknown. Um, there's just this pocket of people who almost like don't want anybody else to have it. It's yeah. Like, and they were so inaccessible because the visuals were just so like for the most part, most of those games are just ASCII art mm -hmm, and it right. just looked bad. Mm -hmm. And you had to really have a technical understanding of what was going on to really get it. And um, around the same time, I think Spelunky, the original Spelunky had already um, come out on PC and love Spelunky. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so inspiring to see somebody who obviously played a lot of roguelikes and um, was going to do an action roguelike. And mm -hmm. it was so an action roguelike. And, and it, I, I just, Spelunky to me was that infinite game. It was like bringing back the arcade, you know, making a game that can be played indefinitely and every experience is different. And, you know, the basic elements are always there, but you're always 
getting lost in this world. Yeah. And um, I thought, well, I want to do something like that. Um, I'm going to use the skeletal structure of Zelda, which I, the first Zelda I play through, I did play through um, once a year, every year. Um, it was one of my favorite games. And uh, I really liked just the basic structure of how the game worked dungeon wise. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, like I could just randomize this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I could totally randomize this basic formula and make it my own. Like it make it completely different than what was going on here. And I was like, well, I was also a big fan of smash TV and Robotron. And I thought, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll, do, I'll do like a dual stick shooter random Zelda. Right. And it really, it wasn't originally Isaac. It was, um, just a top down monster that shoot, that shot, mm-hmm. it was uh-huh. just, you know, bare bones. He was, he wasn't shooting tears at the time. No, it was, yeah. it, was it was, it was, this was of course on paper. I wasn't, right. I had uh-huh. a proto, I always like prototype, um, on paper first to make sure that what I'm thinking through is going to work. And, uh, uh, before I shop it around anybody, uh-huh. but, um, yeah, it was like, I just wanted to do Robotron randomly generated. And then I was like, okay, well, what did, what did Miyamoto do when he was making Zelda thematically? Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, he made it, he made it a game about his childhood, you know, exploring right, yeah. by himself in the forest and whatever else. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do that too. I'm going I'm <laughs> right. to, I'm going to do exactly <laughs> so what it comes, he did. It comes from a genuine place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh-huh. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about stuff that is honest and stuff that I know about and stuff that I'm interested in. Um, and at the time I had gotten, I'm still very interested in religion in general and Christianity in general. Um, but I had gone pretty deep into like the, um, eighties Christian propaganda. I, I'm a big fan of, of Jack Chick who recently died. Um, he's this like evangelical, um, fire and brimstone comic book artist who was made his claim to fame was he made these little comic books mm-hmm. that were really hardcore Christian anti everything else. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, right. Yeah. Any other like Catholics were the were the devil. Uh, you know, <laughs> gay gay the people devil. were the devil. Everything is the devil. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, D is the devil. Uh-huh. <laughs> Etc. It's really great though. It's really, really over the top in, uh-huh. in some pretty amazing ways. And um uh I was into just it, the eighties was full of a lot of crazy Christians who are trying to scare the hell out of parents. Yeah. Right, yeah and, uh-huh. uh, nope, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was uh, an inspiring time. I don't know. It, there, there's something to being an outcast born in the 80s surrounded by this Christian Catholic family uh-huh. who constantly looked at you as you're, you're, I was very obviously the black sheep. Mm-hmm. Right, and yeah. Whenever I went, you know, to the McMullen side of the family, it was so odd. And it was hard for me not to want to play the role that they gave me. Mm-hmm, like they right. handed me this like devil card. Right, yeah. <laughs> and play this character. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, I'm going right, to play huh? this character. And uh, all the things that they said I could and shouldn't do just made it so much more interesting. Yep, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, I wanted to write about that. Uh-huh. I, I, I wanted to explore... I wanted to explore the the light side, the dark side, and everything in between. It was, the whole process was a total 
adventure for me. It was a trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, initially going in, it was kind of like, you know, it's probably like the atheist side of me who's just scoffing at, at everything and being like, ah, oh, uh-huh. these, these dumb Christians all give them what for. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that was definitely part of it. But then as, as I, as I navigated through these memories and through these themes and they came through the game, I, I, I just realized more and more how completely inspiring, like growing up, especially Catholic was for mm-hmm. me as a creative kid, because it's incredibly creative. Uh-huh. Um, the rituals are nuts. <laughs> and like, <laughs> just the and imagery and like all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, and it's, and it's very, my cup of tea. Like it's super <laughs> gory. It's super dark. And then, you know, when you kind of like jump into the, the, the opposite side of it and the whole idea of like a lot of, a lot of, um, anti-Christians, which I guess would be considered Satanist by Christians, all they did was reverse their rituals Yeah, hmm. and like as, as a protest. Right. And right. Then, but then, you know, of course, if you believe the stuff in the Bible, it's really easy to believe the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, you believe that that there's the duality there. There, if there, if we are the light, then there is the dark. And yeah. if God has all these powers and Jesus did all these things, then why isn't there, you know, nega Jesus doing right. evil stuff? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, th- those things have to coexist, and um, it, that, it's just interesting. <laughs> it's just, it's just totally. super, super interesting. Right. And uh, with Isaac, I got to explore all those things, and I got to explore the darkness in a very lighthearted jokey way. Right. Yeah. That somehow I was able to get away with. And, um, yeah, once I had the basic prototype on paper, I contacted Florian who, um, at the time I didn't realize that he was broke, mm-hmm. like totally broke. He wouldn't, he didn't talk uh-huh. to me about any financial stuff. Yeah. And, uh, um, until the very end, he was like, I don't have any money. Do you know when we're going to release this? It's <laughs> like, oh. But yeah, it, it was a three-month project. Okay. Um, and uh, it started out, I was going to just work on it for two weeks. And of course, it was, I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. I want to, I feel like if I add more, it can, you get that, you get that sweet spot. It's going right, to uh-huh. get there. Um, worked on it for another month and it was kind of like, well, this is probably good enough to get sponsored by Adult Swim. Like, and mm-hmm. I heard that they paid, you know, upwards of 10 to $40,000 for an oh, IP. Well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was totally willing to sell it. Right. And, uh, um, or it was around that time. I think I started shopping it around to, um, I think I showed it to John Blow and Adam Saltzman, um, a bunch of different developers. And I was like, you know, what should I, what should I do with this? And they're like, put it on steam. And it's like, but it's flash. I don't even know if they <laughs> be okay, okay with that. Yeah, like, right. It's going to run like crap. And uh, I had a few people like pushing me towards like different wrappers that I could use for it so it could run a little better and ways to like help the performance and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was, I was really nervous because this is around the time that Greenlight was starting. Right. And I was like, how do I go about asking my Steam contact? If I can put this shitty game <laughs> <laughs> up on Steam. And it was just like, I was just so, so nervous. And I was like, it would just be really cool and really helpful, of course, to Florian as well to be able to make some money off this. And I feel like it could make more than a basic sponsorship and I don't have to sell the IP. And I was like, okay, here. And they're like, sure. 
<laughs> just no problem. Whatever. Yeah. It's like I had I had made a very successful game for them, right. and they were fine with whatever else I was going to do. Uh, this was, you know, if if Isaac was a piece of shit and uh, didn't sell at all, I, I that would probably be it. They'd probably not right. respond uh-huh. to my emails uh-huh. after that. <laughs> no else. more. It's like you know, I got I get my one hit with Meat Boy, and that was uh-huh. it. But um, yeah, it, it initially came out, and um, I thought this is cool. Like it it did better than I expected, um, but it didn't blow up for another six to eight months. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It was like the summer of the next year as well. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah, it was when it went... Why and do you think was, that is? I mean, obviously... I think I think it had a lot to do with um, Isaac and Let's Players. The 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 boom of Let's Players okay. was that oh, okay. year. And there were just a lot of people playing Isaac mm-hmm. because it's the game that you could kind of like stem out on. Like, you know, it's kind of like Tetris or whatever. You're just like not paying much attention. You're just... You can talk... It'd be funny. There's a lot of a lot of like, this is weird. Oh, what's this? (laughs) You know, like it's really easy to do commentary over the kind of themes and stuff that were in Isaac. And it's very watchable too, because it's like you get these one-off synergies between some items, and so it's like you're never going to be able to experience them all. So like you know, you can watch them, and it's just like a very entertaining game to watch. Yeah, there's there's so many creatures in this game. Was is it first of all? Is it all you? Like this. No, no one else is like helping you design these creatures. Like uh, the, there's the, just so the, many. Some of the new stuff, um, I, I'd say about like ten or fifteen of the new enemies, and maybe a handful of some of the bosses were were um, basically designed by a few of the other people in the team. Okay. Um, and uh, suggested, hey, like what? What about this? What about this? Right. How have you reacted to like people's different interpretations of the yeah, game? The, the like, fan theories. Because yeah. there's so much. Like, there's some. There's some crazy ones. Sometimes I feel guilty because I feel like <laughs> I put stuff out there. Like the main one, the main misdirection that I felt guilty about was the fact that um, brother Bobby and sister Maggie were the first two familiars that were Mm -hmm. made in the game. And the theme I was playing off of is in the eighties, a lot of, um, a lot of people who eventually they turned out to have schizophrenia and stuff told a lot of stories about how that they were ritually abused Mm -hmm. and they were forced to constantly get impregnated and have abortions. So there's this abortion theme, and I play around with the idea that Isaac might have had brothers and sisters. Okay. Uh-huh. Not necessarily that it's not necessarily true. Yeah. Right. But right. Right. The fact that there's a sister Maggie there, and that one of the other characters is called Maggie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a lot of imagery of Isaac dressing up like a girl. Yeah. Right. So th- people instantly gravitated towards. This is all about him dealing with the death of his sister. Okay. Oh, but Isaac never yeah. had a sister. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's just Isaac. Uh-huh. Right, right. Uh, so I felt bad about that. But I always, <laughs> felt, I always felt like the story was pretty direct and straightforward. Uh-huh. And I feel like I've, I'm pretty clear with it. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I definitely. <don't> no. <laughs> I, I think maybe, maybe the main issue with a lot of the game's themes is that it goes in a lot of different complicated directions yeah there's a lot of different things like like at this point in time people should realize that the story that they're told in the beginning mm-hmm. is drawn on paper by isaac right right yeah. right right not necessarily reality uh-huh. at all totally yeah it is it is a fictional story that isaac is telling you on paper um the game that you play at this point in time should be obvious that isaac is dying Mm-hmm. in the chest and as you progress through the game it's just this amalgamation of all of his fears and all of his worries 
culminating into you know this this final end like right, this, yeah. this the end and um it's basically you know his his last dying like delirium is 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 the uh light at the end of the tunnel sort of mm-hmm. flashing through your life sort of situation cool um so how did your like you partner up with uh Nicholas and like put out rebirth like how did that whole process take place um <laughs> so Tyrone had been haunting me for years mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was always around uh I'd always see him at GDC <laughs> and I just knew him as the guy who um loved Cave Story okay and ported it a million times yeah yeah and I love I love Cave Story <laughs> the game's great totally understandable mm-hmm. um and he would always be like, hey, uh, no, he'd always he'd always talk to me about putting Super Meat Boy or Time Fuck. He really likes Time Fuck. All my old games, he's like, we well, should port them. We should port them with 3DS. Uh-huh. And it's like, eh, I don't right. know. I just don't think that that'd be a good financial move. Yeah. Um, and uh, at, at that point, um, at the point of like Isaac and I think I did after I did Wrath of the Lamb expansion and I realized that like the game is broken. <laughs> right. It can't be fixed and we can't do any more expansions. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more that I want to do. And a lot of the driving force for me was not really watching let's players, but it was watching my wife play. Okay. And she like hmm. obsessively played like she's, I've never, she's, she likes video games. Obviously mm. she, we, we play a lot of video games together. Um, she plays a range of games, but I've never seen her, get that into a game before mm-hmm. and it didn't matter at all that i made it she didn't, it didn't matter it, right. it was literally it was like <laughs> is it good she or not? really and she plays it every day now oh, like, wow. there's not a day oh, that wow. goes by like she plays it every day um and whenever i do a new expansion she just gets sucked right back in yeah, right, uh-huh. and start that's a whole so new cool. save like <laughs> that's great like she she played when um afterbirth came out on playstation she started playing through that and then then afterbirth plus came out on pc and she just like said fuck the PlayStation. I'm going to start uh-huh. a whole new save <laughs> right, on, yeah. on Steam again. Um, yeah, she's the queen of erasing her save when she gets to a point and wants to just go through <laughs> it all over again. But I really wanted to do more, and it was very inspiring to see her so into something that I had done. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, what are my options? And <clears throat> at the time, I was working on um, eugenics, and which I ended up hitting a wall with. Um, but it was just a whole other project that I, it was very Isaac-y where it was like, I want to do something ballsy and weird, maybe not much of a game. I don't know, something weird. Uh-huh, right. And I thought, well, maybe it is the time to give Tyrone the reins and uh-huh. like let right, him do yeah. this port that he wants to do. And uh, I'll work on my own projects and then he can just do the port. And that's what it was. It was just going to be a port, just a straight port mm-hmm. of the Flash game. And I started to just feel guilty that it was like, well, you know, I don't want people to just rebuy the game. Like, I got to do something. And I just, it just ballooned and ballooned. I pushed, I I feel bad, but I mean, obviously in the end it was worth it. But I I pushed that game back a year in development. <laughs> oh, wow. Because oh, it wow. was just like, well, it's not good enough. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. More, more, more. Um, and it got it perfect, though. I mean, it, it, it became the game that I really set out to make yeah um and it ran so well and there were just so many improvements it was i was so happy with it and it was nice to be able to look at a lot of people didn't like the pixel art i liked the pixel art originally it was going to be it was going to be an 8-bit game Mm -hmm. i was just going to do basic sprites but um 
I, I didn't like how the animation looked, and I thought, oh fuck it, I can draw really really fast. And if you man, if you go back and look at the art in the first game, it's really really rough. Like my, I don't even close the, a lot of the circles. Like it's just like, oh, there's a gap there, whatever. Yeah. Um, like even Isaac's head, like the shape of his head is just so just the stuff that everyone's gonna see. What's yeah, well, all I saw? Like, yeah, that's yeah. all I saw is that it looked like mud. Uh-huh. Like I, it's like how many shades right. of brown am I gonna put in this game? And um, it looked very flat. There is no perspective. Um, it's funny to me how willing people are to accept these shortcomings of something that they love because they yeah, experienced right, it. Yeah. It's like, no, come on. Uh-huh. I don't think anybody at this point is going to argue that the original looked <laughs> anywhere near currently. Like, yeah. it looks great. Um, and it was nice to see those improvements. It's like, I had never worked with another artist before. That was weird. Um, directing people was so super alien to me. Uh-huh. Right, um, yeah. I got told a few times by Tyro and I was like, you know, it would be nice if you said something nice. <laughs> Some <laughs> affirmation would be good. Yeah, I was like, oh. I was just so... I've worked with programmers for a long time. Uh-huh. And most programmers that I work with are just very formulaic. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Like, if if I told Florian, hey, what you're doing isn't good, do uh-huh. the, do, do, do it differently. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. It's uh-huh. like, whatever. It's it's it, He understands. Yeah. And that's how it was with every programmer that I worked with. It was like... They know what they're doing, and you can talk to them very matter of fact. And um, maybe I just got—I think I just got used to, you know, talking not bl- not very human. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> sure. Not very uh, compassionately uh-huh. or caring. Um, sounds horrible, but. Uh, how heavily were you involved? With, I mean, I imagine pretty heavily. But like, how? What was your role when they started the port? The term, the term, the term "port" for our process listeners. Oh, and John, I, and John, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I a mean, remake. A remake. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, uh, I figured, but a remake for consoles. I mean, originally uh-huh. it wasn't going to come out on Steam. It was just going to be consoles. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, my involvement was daily builds, testing, mm-hmm. and email tweaks constantly. Like I would just send like. They'd send me a build and I'd literally send them a ridiculous, <laughs> like hundreds of notes. Right. <laughs> like, That's so good. The, the hardest, the hardest initially was just getting Isaac to look like how I wanted him to look. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah. there was just a lot of back and forth where it's like, uh-huh. move the eye down one pixel and right, down yeah. to the side. And even, even still to this, to this day, it was like, um, doing the, doing the cover box for this, for switch. Um, Tyrone had two different artists on it. And I'm very particular with how Isaac looks. Like, yeah, uh-huh. there's certain things that are because it's really easy for Isaac to look like an alien. Yeah, because right. his eyes yeah, are so yeah. big. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And like you've got to put the eyes very specifically, and you got to bump the mouth up kind of between the eyes very specifically, uh-huh. like because it can't look ugly. And it if the mouth is too low, it doesn't look as cute. Right. Yeah, yeah. And if the eyes aren't big enough, it doesn't look as cute. And then you just you get into this alien bug boy <laughs> territory. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty, I can be pretty anal and controlling and I'm sure the initial development phase, I probably wasn't super well liked, but I, it's a, it was a learning, a learning experience for sure. sure. I mean, I've, I've gotten used to it now and honestly it was, a lot of it was very hard for me to deal with because I was so used to overworking myself and doing everything. Yeah. Um, that, 
I almost, I sometimes felt guilty for having the other people. Like I, I could just do it myself. Like, why don't I just do this myself? Um, and I'm, but I'm also really good at spreading myself thin and overworking myself. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, it was great. It was a great, great experience. It was very um, easy. They made it super easy. Hello, I'm Lee Cox. Yeah, I'm Alex McKay. And we are Red Hot Thunder Club. And we have a podcast. We've both been guests on the process before. You might have heard it. I'm very depressed. And I used to do heroin. And we have a podcast together. I started this club uh, when I was a little boy before podcasts, and I haven't matured since. Yep, so now we record just our, our meetings of the Red Hot Thunder Club. We're two gross boys trying to make some gross money in a gross, gross world. Uh, we got songs. Little dog puking up. Snot just like his dad. Me. Little dark. We got product ideas. So uh, I came up with the slap on strap on. We somehow make money off of fetishes. Vagina dentata with braces. But more than anything, we've got. Spunk. Yeah. Boom shakalaka and we like a good van. Boom ricky licky licky boom Sally Jesse Jesse boom Jenny 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 boy. So listen and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just step out of your comfort zone and into the comfort zone. Gross. How has the community impacted Isaac's development and like not even just Isaac, but just like as a developer, how has like the community's response to your games affected how you develop them? Um, or do they? Oh, they <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah. Oh, they do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's a weird situation. Uh, it doesn't affect me much anymore, and I expect a lot of backlash with anything I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to a significant. Like, I knew, I didn't know that the Afterbirth Plus launch was going to um, have as many issues, balancing issues. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because we actually had more testers on it than usual, and that's a whole thing in itself. But uh, I knew that people were going to have problems, and they were going to hate me and mm. blame me for yeah. everything. <laughs> Their whole life was over, et cetera. <laughs> but I also knew that you give it a month, and no one will care. Yeah, right, totally. Huh? Um, that's a really weird thing, because people are so passionate. And it's like, you know, I try to be as understanding as possible. I realize that to a lot of people, this game is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, way more important to them than it is to me, uh, at this point in time. Um, and it's probably way more theirs than it is mine Mm -hmm. at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like where I'm at. Like there are so many things that I would like to improve about that game. Um, that can't be improved unless I made a whole new game. Yeah. You know, uh like there's no way to expand and fix stuff and people, are very vocal. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and um, I definitely don't let it get to me, but uh, there are times where in order to, to continue to not let it get to me that mm. I have to just kind of not look. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's hard to cut out that noise. Yeah, like. it's like I um, there in the past I have been, I'm a pretty direct person and if somebody, you know, calls me out on something that I'll, I'll give them an honest answer and mm-hmm. if someone's a dick, I'll say, you know, you're being a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, you're an ass. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes it needs to be said. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, but the Isaac community has been a very interesting one and, um, it's been a learning experience the whole way through. Um, I hopefully won't make another game that will be this popular <laughs> Right. <laughs> that people cared this much and are looking with the mag. There's yeah, so many, yeah, yeah. the worst is like, there's, like they, yeah, there's so many, there's so many other developers that are super fans. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, 
there are especially ones that are programmers that can actually like look and see like oh i think that they're doing this wrong they're doing this wrong and it's like i wouldn't even know Mm -hmm. i don't program i'm just giving people basic direction and and they're going with it um but yeah i mean that's why afterbirth plus came out i wanted to be able to be like okay you guys at this point are way more into this than i am Mm -hmm. maybe you can do something cool Go with it, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? absolutely. And they and they are, and and like is the the more we support the tools, which we continue to do, um, the more options they have, and the more crazy shit that they do. And um, um, we're currently finishing up the first booster pack, which is like ten items and a bunch of other cool edits. People have some really cool ideas that are overlooked that um, that I can you know be big enough to say, oh, I made that, I made a mistake, I made a mistake right, in right. that design. Um, there, there are certain things that are like, like one of the, one of the biggest, the first one to come out, um, that people were really into is the item description mod, which actually, when you walk into a room with an item text pops up and says, this is what the item does. Right. Mm-hmm. And that in itself was such a weird thing for me because initially when the game had a hundred items, I thought I can just make them all mysterious and people will figure them out. Right. 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 But now there's 500 and something items, like uh-huh. 510 items. And like, it's not fair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It's just and it's like, I don't know. The best way to probably do it would be to, once you pick the item up once and it's in your collection, then if you run into it again, it'll actually give you some information. Yeah. On what the item does. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, it's not realistic to do that at this point. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the, again, it's one of those things that's like, oh, if we were making a whole new game, that's what I would do. Uh-huh. Uh, in Bumbo, for example, uh, Bumbo riffs a lot on Isaac and um, we put item descriptions. It okay. says that somebody will tell you what these things do. <laughs> it's like the formula is also a puzzle formula. So you don't want to fuck around with somebody. It's not like when you're playing a game of chess and somebody's learning and they're like, okay, the pawn can move one space except the first time it can move, you know, two spaces yeah. mm-hmm. and then nobody tells you that it can move two spaces. <laughs> so you're just always moving the pawn one space. And so it's not fair. Yeah. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Like, well, and when, like I, uh, cause John hadn't played, uh, binding of Isaac much until really recently. And I realized like, since I've been playing for a while and like getting the expansions, like I can right. accumulate knowledge of like yeah. these items. And like, so every time every expansion has been pretty easy. And then I realized like, Oh no! Like I'm just giving him this like yeah, infinite. Just throwing, throwing him <laughs> yeah. to the wolves. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, and I, I see that happening a lot too. And that's I mean, there's a lot of flaws in the game um, that the community overlooks because they're so deep into it, and it's just hmm. yeah. I mean, to me, I, I all I see is a bunch of design flaws that I wish I could fix and improve, but I can't realistically at this point. But nobody else is pointing those things out. Yeah. People love to point at like nitpick right. a specific item and say uh-huh. it sucks, and it's like, uh, what, what about, about these glaring yeah. flaws in the game's like <laughs> the game's core formula here? Like, yeah, yeah. you've got five. How are you going to memorize these items? Like, right. I can't even memorize the guy in mind. But like, one of the other one of the other um, mods that came out was the dice mod. Uh huh. And it was like. The dice rooms, for whatever reason, I cannot for the life of me remember what the yeah, dice rooms do. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. And I don't know why. It's like, there's only six. It should that's be so easy. Funny. Yeah, that, like, that's, that is weirdly like one of the hardest like things to remember. I don't so know. somebody somebody made a mod that just literally, there's text that says, this is what these do. <laughs> and I'm try, I was trying to persuade the person to do like, well, it'd be more thematic if it was something more cryptic involved. And uh, uh-huh. in the end, I just said, you know what? We'll just, we'll give this guy some credit and... 
I'll just redo that. Yeah, and right. Currently, what I have in that'll be in the booster pack um, is I actually have an icon that represents because each of the dice rooms are referencing a, a dice in itself mm-hmm. ability or um, a forget me now pill. Mm-hmm. I just literally just have those images carved into the, the dice. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's easy. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh-huh. why didn't I think of that? But it took somebody else referencing it, making a mod in a very crude way to me, for me to be like, Oh, like it's already unreasonable that I'm asking so many people to pretty much memorize 500 things, mm-hmm. but even more so, these dice rooms is stupid. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, there's no reason for you not to know, or at least have some idea. Yeah, like some clue. <laughs> some clue. Sure, sure. Yeah. Originally, uh, the first first hundred items, they didn't say shit when you picked them up. Mm-hmm. It said the name. Right. There was no there was no hint <laughs> yeah, at anything. And that was the one thing I did with Rebirth. Rebirth, I was like, okay, we're gonna do hint text, and it's gonna it's not gonna just say flavor text. It's just gonna it's gonna say you know speed up. Or this is what your tears do. Right. It's going to give you some push in the right direction right, when you right. pick it up. But it still doesn't fix the whole, but how do you know if that's going to fuck you over yeah, until right, you yeah. pick it up? Until you do it, yeah. <laughs> like this stunt, but that's part of it, though. Yeah. Like, stun's cap looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want that. <laughs> but you need those items. Oh, definitely, absolutely, absolutely. Definitely need those items. I mean, that's my, my favorite Let's Plays. A lot of people, there are a lot of Let's Players out there who are all about, like, I just want to have my OP run and I want to look good. But, yeah, like... Uh-huh most enjoyable let's plays are the ones that shit goes wrong or they just barely win like it's just right yeah know, yeah like they're, they're really intense it's earned ones. win yeah, yeah. Uh, um so but really really fast before we get into the question okay. i know you're you want to ask yeah um i wanted to ask a little bit about uh legend of bumbo because that's is that your next like big major release or? yeah yeah um i'm working on three projects currently um Bumbo is one of the announced ones that will probably be out by the end of the year. Okay. I'm pretty friggin' happy with it. It's my first 3D game. Oh, even cool. Though it's, even though it's <laughs> wow. 2D cardboard, but it's still in the 3D world. Yeah, that's um, so cool. <laughs> it's also, it's my second puzzle game, but really my first, you know, real puzzle puzzle game. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, a, I guess you could say it's a mashup of like, kind of like Puzzle Questy meets Isaac. Okay. Um, With... It's a, it's a definitely it's definitely like a puzzle strategy game. Okay, cool. Um, with with the Isaac formula of like semi semi randomly generated um, spells and trinkets and, and whatever else that kind of modify your character in the way mm-hmm. that you interact with the puzzle and interact with the enemies. Cool. But it's 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 like basically a prequel to Isaac. It's it'll it, wow. It's interesting. The themes are are pretty cool. So I've, I've been I just started working with Tyler on. Um, a secret no one knows about it. Total secret t- secret project. It's a platformer. It's kind of like an adventure, semi open worldy. I don't know. Kind of like V. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, started out super small as almost a mod to Ouroboros, um, which is the other game that I announced. And um, hopefully that'll be out. I hope. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Should I edit this out? If it's, maybe if it's... maybe edit this out. <laughs> I'll show you guys the platform. I'm hoping that it, it'll come out um, in, in April. Okay. Um, it's really close to being done and I'm super, super happy with it. Awesome. Like it's, yeah. it's become um, bigger than Meat Boy like as, as far as like its mm-hmm. size goes. And I get, I'm playing around with a lot of really interesting mechanics and um, themes. It's, there's an over overarching theme of, of pressure and, um, 
doom. Impending doom. <laughs> I love that. That's and fun. it just gets more stressful as it goes. It's really yeah. great. It's soul crushing. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. Uh, so okay, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, just like shifting gears here a little bit uh, into Act Two. Um, where where were you, where are you born? Where where did you grow up? I grew up here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I grew up. I grew up in Santa Cruz for the most part. Mo- half half in Watsonville. So my grandma lived in Watsonville, which is is you know twenty minutes south of Santa Cruz. Um, like farmland stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then half here. Do you have any siblings? <laughs> I have a sister. Yeah, yeah. So She's you, younger. You, yeah, we already like went over like a little bit of your childhood. You said like you felt like the black sheep. Was that pretty early? Uh, like, were you pretty young, or like was that more high school days? No, always. Yeah, always. Yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah, no. I I always felt like an alien. I'm nothing like my dad. I'm nothing like my mom. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. at all. Like vastly different <laughs> what about like in your group of friends i mean like were you my group of friends like uh-huh. friends growing up and right, stuff uh-huh. yeah i always had one best friend growing up and sure. then people yeah. i associated with and um yeah i was associated with the weirdos right yeah. gotcha were you, were you pretty shy in like middle school high school days i i don't no i wasn't shy okay um the opposite i was kind of the class clown oh really okay yeah um but i got in trouble a lot all right. I was always in the office. Okay. Yeah, I, and I and I hated going to school, and I had a lot of stomach problems. So I was like oh. trying to find ways to go home and lie, went lie to get home, and then half the time I'm also in horrible pain, and I really need to go home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I mean, like growing up, I didn't I didn't realize how other people viewed me until much later, and um, a, a mentor of mine, like in in high school freshman year um um, i met this guy named clay butler who uh was a comic artist locally and uh he i was so in awe he he had a one of his animations was in the sick and twisted festival of animation Mm -hmm. which was like the coolest thing in the world to me (laughs) like i'm meeting this guy who has and and he's making it seem like that's something that i can do Uh like Mm -hmm. um so cool he had a he had um multiple TV shows on public access, which I was also all about, um, ended up being um, one of his cameramen for for a good year down there. Um, but I didn't find out till recently. Mm-hmm. I, I ran into him recently, and he was like, "You know, I was thinking back about when I met you." And he's like, "I don't think you even know this, but they told me to talk to you because they said you were a troubled youth. They, <laughs> I was at risk." Huh. And they and I was like, "Really?" And uh, yeah, and he's like, "Yeah." They, that's that was why I talked to you, right? Like, is because the, the the teachers there said that I was at risk, yeah, and I needed <laughs> somebody uh-huh. to align with in some way, and right. I guess they picked the right person yeah, for sure. Yeah, they did a good job. Um, <laughs> um, do, would you say like you grew up like in a pretty strict household? No, no, no. It'd be interesting to have my mom on something like this to ask her opinions. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess but, Edmund's mom. Uh, I think. I, I think that my parents both knew growing up that I was weird mm-hmm. and whatever I was going to do wasn't going to be traditional. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, um, they knew that I wanted to do something in art, but who knows what? Yeah. Right. Um, and they were supportive. Everybody was supportive around me. No one discouraged what I was doing, but it was kind of just like, oh yeah, he's weird. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was a weird kid and, uh, kept to myself for the most part. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's my childhood memories were lonely, but not in necessarily a 
negative way. I like being alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Uh, I had a lot of fun adventures by myself. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know, um, I'm definitely not going to complain about that. I didn't, I could have, I could have made more friends and hung out with my friends more. Sure. Yeah. I just didn't uh-huh. want to. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh-huh. It was like, I don't know, but yeah, I spent my, spent most of my childhood alone. Like my, my mom was for the most part, a single parent after my parents divorced when I was five. Okay. Um, and then I would see my dad every other weekend, which was always really horrible because it was boring. And all he did was complain about, you know, how much money my mom's taking from him. Sure, sure. So on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, They got really religious, too, once he got off drugs and um, he was in recovery. And the whole family is in recovery. So it's nice. I mean, I I prefer a religious dad to an absent drug addict dad. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh Of course, way better. But in a lot of ways, I think that addictive personality was he. uh, The drugs were replaced with God. Like, Uh that's all he did. Like, sure. N.A. and Jesus um, was all he ever spoke of, mm-hmm. <laughs> all he ever did. Were, were you like dragged to church every week or like with the whole family go and then you would just stay um, behind? I, uh, yeah, I went through seven years of catechism. Okay. So, um, and I, and I did have a few like Catholic summer schools that I went to growing up. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I got to the point of getting confirmed um, and then I told my mom that I don't, that I didn't feel right about doing it because I didn't really believe in what was going on and it seemed disrespectful. Um, we had this talk in the drive-thru of Burger King. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's a great place to have. Yeah. It's like a spiritual I, I place. I remember it really, really, really well. Uh-huh. Weird. Uh, do you want to, you want to uh, ask the question? Oh, the sure. Qu- the, I guess, the one I question we the, always the, ask. The, the big question. Uh, so have you dealt with depression and or anxiety and how has that affected you creatively? <laughs> I feel like all I do is deal with anxiety. <laughs> I'd say a good chunk of my life is is, is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, it's definitely in my genes. My um, my grandfather was institutionalized for depression hmm. back when they did shock therapy. Oh wow! Oh, wow! Yeah, um, my mom has stories of him just not being around, and then yeah. notes from him and stuff like that, and yeah. Uh, I didn't find out that stuff until until I hit maybe 15, which was the first time that I, you know, withdrew and I had a breakdown. Um, I just like obsessively would watch really sad movies. I worked at Blockbuster <laughs> and I would rent movies. And um, there was a period of time where I think it was a week. There was a week where I didn't speak to anybody and I would just work. I would go to work. I come back home. I'd watch Awakenings. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, fucking stupid drama movie <laughs> about these people that are all in a coma and they all wake up. Uh-huh, and Robert yeah. De Niro's in it. Right. And I get, Robert De Niro reminded me of my stepdad. And I don't know. It was just, uh-huh. I'd watch it and I'd cry. And uh, I just lost it. I don't know. I just detached from everything. And I think I finally had to tell my mom, like, I'm not okay yeah. And uh, that's when she revealed to me, hey, we're all depressed in this family. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> and uh, we've all. We were waiting to tell you. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, there's a lot of, there was a lot of moments like that with my uh-huh. mom where it's like something, some bad shit goes down and she's like, oh yeah, I went through that. Uh-huh. Was that, was that comforting at all or was that? Yeah. That was, my mom was very good at, at, at that. She's uh-huh. very good at, if, if somebody is in need, she's very good at catering to their needs and comforting mm-hmm. them and, um, took me to the doctor and doc, I talked to the doctor and just basically it was, I didn't realize that when I was young, I was always 
dealing with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always worried about bad things happening. And um, I, I don't know if it's like obsessive compulsive. It's just one of those things where things have to be a certain way or I feel like something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Right, yeah. And uh, with me growing up, it was, um, it caused ulcers. I would get really bad ulcers when I was like five years old. Oh, really, wow. Really oh, wow. Young. And um, just worried about people dying. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, no, shit got crazy. And uh, growing up, it just turned into different stomach ailments. Sure. Stomach pain. Mm-hmm. I was just, I mean... I think through like third through fifth grade was when it was like the worst. And I just remember always being in the bathroom, which is constantly referenced in Isaac and like the dream uh-huh. sequences and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, interesting. Like most of my memories is looking at repeating tile on the ground and counting them between stabbing pains uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, no. huh. and like just guzzling, uh, different stomach medicines. Right. It's like stop stomach acid and, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's basically, that was my life growing up. It, it went away um, around puberty and then came back uh, at like 15, 16. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right. And it just morphed. It just, no more stomach problems. Now I, now I just am super anxious and I can't leave the house. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like been following me around for a while. Right. Um, yeah. But we really do see that in Isaac. Is that like, you were saying that like all the creatures are like, uh, just Isaac's fears and yeah. anxiety is, I mean, I guess is the character based off of yourself or yeah. Yeah. I mean it, it is, and it's, it's based off of a few different people in my family. Uh-huh. Um, but mostly of course me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I have a hard time not writing about myself in a lot of my work and mm-hmm. the main characters in my games tend to be their own worst enemy. And that's how it always felt. Right. I mean, yeah. I think anybody dealing with anxiety and depression knows that. Like mm-hmm. that feeling of yeah. like, you are your own worst enemy. I am the one that will sabotage myself. Right, I am yeah. the only thing stopping me from getting to where I want. Oh, and that's that's why there's like kind of this triumph, I think, in in like Binding of Isaac where you can still win. Like you can still get to the end of the yeah. game. I don't I don't know. Like is that has that been like cathartic to kind of get those ideas out in your games? It's cathartic to work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um it's cathartic to like it really feels like going to a therapist. Like it mm-hmm. feels like when I'm, when I'm writing and I'm putting all these different themes in my game, most of the time I'm doing it very subconsciously. Something just feels right. Yeah. Um, like a really good example was um, back in the day when I was doing serious P shy and stuff like that, I had a series of games called the badlands mm-hmm. and there were all these really weird um, fleshy creatures, right. which is a theme in my games. And I, I always was really into things that were stitched up, scarred, um, and fleshy or whatever else. And I didn't realize where that all came from until much later. And I realized that it was all for my grandpa and growing up with my grandpa, he had open heart surgery when, when he was, um, pretty young Mm -hmm. and I would always ask to see his scars. Mm -hmm. He had gnarly scars, like a huge scar that went all the way down his chest to his belly and then he had these things that I called his eyes. He had these two um, oval cut things under like his nipple areas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just thought it was fucking cool. Right. Like, I, yeah. And he had um, skin tags all around his neck. I remember always riding on his shoulder and playing with his skin tags. <laughs> and like, I don't know. He was, my grandpa was huge. Right. Yeah. And he was a monster man. Uh-huh. And I thought that that was the coolest right, shit yeah. ever. He was like Frankenstein. Yeah. And so much of that made such an impact on me that it just bleeds out of me when I mm-hmm. sit down. That's like, I'm not like, like we talked before. I'm like, I'm not trying to be gross when right, I'm yeah. creating these things. Uh-huh. I think that looks cool. Yeah, right, totally. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just genuine. Like, and in a lot of ways, um, sometimes years will pass and I'll realize, Oh, that's what I was writing about. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense. And all these little pieces of the puzzle are coming together. And I'm like, I'm turning 37 next month mm-hmm. and I'm constantly learning things about myself. Um, it's pretty astounding. You, you find the reasons why all these things happen. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. It's, um, I've been thinking about this recently. Like when it comes to anxiety, there's sort of like this sort of vicious cycle. I think when you experience anxiety and depression and then you start to create and you find yourself in this happy place and then you put it out there and then it kind of starts over again. You can, you, can you relate to that? This sort yeah. of, it's, it's just like, it's constantly going like, yeah, yeah no. Um, me and my wife talk about it that I'm like a shark. Uh-huh. I have to keep swimming or I die. Right. <laughs> and like, it's the truth. Like I been going through a lot right now because I have a, I have a kid now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that brings me back to when I was little. So there's a lot of like crazy memories that are coming up. Uh-huh. Um, but then the other is like, I'm starting to realize now the, the reality of my priorities mm-hmm. and how much more I get from, staying with my family and doing fun things with my daughter. Right. Uh-huh. It just better than everything. Oh, totally. Uh-huh. And yeah. I would really in a lot of ways like to just quit what I'm doing, but mm-hmm. I can, sure. I yeah. can do that. Uh-huh. I have the ability to do that, but it would make me a horrible person. And it's, it's like, <laughs> I am an awful person to be around. Like I'm a self-destructive, awful human being when I'm not being creative. And my wife knows this. And I'm trying to find the balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and it's such a struggle. Like it's a whole new world and I love every minute of it. I'm definitely like happy that we waited as long as we did to have a kid. And I'm happy that we waited for us to be this financially stable Mm -hmm. um, and actually, and have this kind of schedule. But it's very difficult for me to get used to because I'm so used to being a workaholic. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Completing a project. It's like finishing a TV show. Like you feel the sense of like accomplishment, but also like impending doom, like yeah. simultaneously. Like. It's, it's, it's that feeling of like beginning in a relationship with somebody and it's so great. It's so great. It's so great. And then it's over. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it's done. Like there's no joy in launching a video game. It fucking sucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It, the joy is in creating it. Uh-huh. Like, which is why I see a lot of projects go on forever. I can totally understand that, especially getting cold feet about releasing something and having it done. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the nice thing about Isaac because it's never, never done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, just keeps going. Like that, that is the beauty of, of, of that design where mm-hmm. I never really experienced the, the launch depression because the moment that shit came out, I was writing down new ideas. Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, totally. And um, still to this day, like I always, I do posts and say, I'm done, I'm done. This is the end of the game. And then like <laughs> and then somebody will post some mod online and it'll be like, somebody posted this mod and it was super basic. It's like these three balls and you use them, they're usable items and it just kills all the bullets on the screen. Mm-hmm. And 
<laughs> you can use it three times, and then it char- recharges itself at the end of the level. And it was just like, why didn't I ever make something that recharges at the end of the level? Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> and that like opens up so I, many yeah, doors. Yeah. Why didn't I ever <laughs> make something that could be used a certain number of times and then wasn't, you know, refilled for a while? Uh-huh. Hey, that's <laughs> like, a whole new world. Yeah. Or have you ever experienced like pressure when you release a game and it's well received, like the, the follow up? How, how has that affected you? It never affects me. I don't fucking care. Um, <laughs> I really don't. I could really give a good goddamn what anybody else thinks. That's like cool. I'm being 100% genuine. Right. Um, You're just making what you want to make. There, there is right. absolutely nobody in the world that exists that is more critical of what I'm doing than myself. Gotcha. Right. Uh-huh. And you cannot match me. <laughs> I am, I, trust me um i am by far my harshest critic and um i can be pretty hard on myself but yeah like no 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 <laughs> not at all like i the only thing that sucks for me is knowing that like i want to push myself further i want to do more risky projects i'm i'm in kind of this comfortable area with isaac and stuff um like i i really like to go back and finish mugenics Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of other really weird projects that I started working on that I'm just now able to work on again um, for a bunch of different reasons. Um, I like to take those big risks mostly to show people how much I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to do crazy weird shit and not care about the financial ramifications. Yeah, or, right. Or what you know. People are going to say like the stuff that I'm working on right now. I mean, it'll probably be very easily compared to other games like Bumbo is going to be easily compared to Isaac. And then right. people are going to say it's not as good as Isaac. What, 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 what will I ever make something as good as Isaac? <laughs> right, probably yeah. not. Uh-huh. Like it's whatever. Uh, I'd like to try to get there. But yeah, I also try my best to make stuff as different as possible. So there's not a direct comparison. But when it happens, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Right. I don't. Yeah, I guess I'm. It's a one one of the my better qualities, I guess. <laughs> my, <laughs> my ability totally. to really not care and not feel pressure. Right. And how do you do you have time to play games? Like when you're... I, I, I uh, oh, I'm, I'm playing Resident Evil right now. Okay, which is pretty cool. Uh, the themes are great, but I've gotten to that point in the game where it's just become Resident Evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like oh yeah, this again. We're doing this again. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, which sucks because Resident Evil Four was so fucking good and had so many really great, amazing design choices. Uh huh. And it sucks that like they didn't re-explore those things again and they went with the more there's a lot of cool things about it. A lot of cool things about it. Um, a lot of those cool things are really odd design choices. Like, I don't know if you guys have played through it at all, but um, there's a, a part in the beginning. The beginning was pretty tough, and I kept dying at certain points mm-hmm. because I didn't really get the rhythm of the game yet. And in doing so, I experienced multiple branching paths mm-hmm. of little things. 
So like the main dude that's following you around and fucking with you. Yeah. Um, you he locks you in um the garage, and you've got to fight him. And you got to figure out how to fight him. And one of the options is you can get in the car and run him over. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't realize that was something you could do mm-hmm. until he got into the car and ran me over. <laughs> <laughs> and. I didn't even know, like, that was one of the coolest things in that game that I experienced so far. And I would never have seen it if I would have gotten on that car. Yeah. So there's a lot, I'm sure there's a ton. Oh, there's also the part where uh, I got killed a, a second time where I'm trying to get down to this trap door and he's chasing you around and he grabs me by the foot and cuts it off. Mm. <laughs> and then he takes my foot and he rolls it <laughs> back to me. And then he sits on the ground with the bottle of stuff that I can put my foot back together and just taunts me <laughs> while I'm crawling towards <laughs> oh him and grabbing my foot and putting it back on. All right. I wouldn't have seen that if I would have made it down the trap door because right. the uh-huh. second time I did it, it, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so those are really fucking cool. Like that's super cool. But that's what made Resident Evil 4 really neat was there was a lot of random randomness to certain areas there were a few zones in the game where it's just throw you in and survive right. while you're fighting hordes of guys and then some dude with a bag head and chainsaw yeah is sawing down <laughs> doors and you're just frantically trying to like cover up windows cover uh-huh. up doors get to the roof of a building knock guys off and then get through like super fucking good yeah like, that right, is yeah. like the best resident evil experience that i've ever experienced um one of the better gaming experience that i can remember in the past 20 years like those zones were just so fucking good um, it sucks that they didn't explore that again. Maybe they do later. I don't know. I haven't finished mm-hmm. the game, but um, I wish there was more of that survival aspect uh-huh, right. and less of a linear experience that was peppered with possible bad outcomes. That right, are right. Uh, um, are there any games out there that uh, are just universally loved and you're just like, I don't get it? Like, <laughs> um, Not really. Yeah. I completely understand why all successful games succeed for the most part. Uh-huh. I think, I mean, it's a good quality, honestly, to have as a, as a designer is right. It's easy to scoff at things that are popular. Uh huh. Um, be like Stardew Valley. What? <laughs> are, you, are you trying to bash Stardew Valley? <laughs> I have played so much of that, that game. What is yeah. this game? Stardew Star- Valley is Harvest Moon. Yeah. Oh, Harvest Moon. But oh, it's like yeah. the best Harvest Moon game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, that's, but that's what I'm saying. It's like Stardew Valley. I roll. Right. right? Yeah. It's just Harvest Moon. But, uh-huh. That's why it's popular. Sure, yeah. yeah like, uh-huh. because it's doing Harvest Moon justice. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know oh, totally. I mean? right, yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, as a designer, you can't go around do, scoffing and then saying it sucks. Right. You know, it's like, I totally understand why Sardu well mm. is, is great. Totally mm. get it. <laughs> like, I totally understand. I'm trying to think. I'm, like, racking my brain trying to think of any game out there that, like, had a, a lot of critical. Okay. Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. Don't get it. Yeah, I don't get linear story-driven games. I don't understand it. Even Resident Evil is a little tired for me when it comes to the linear aspect of the game. Um, but I know that that's just me, and I know right, that people yeah. like story. Uh-huh. And like, I totally get that people like stories, and they like to be interact. They like to interact with the story. Yeah. They like to feel like even though it's, it's mostly an illusion, then you're not really doing anything. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but 
they liked feeling like they're at least hitting the play button. Right. Like, uh-huh. like, <laughs> something like Fire, Firewatch, where it's like you're just kind of like walking through and, and experiencing a story. Is that. Well, that's something too. Like, so I played, I didn't play Firewatch, but I played Dear Esther ages mm-hmm. ago, which I'm pretty sure is comparable. And Dear es- Esther was special to me. And it probably, it, it was very moving. It moved me to tears. Like, mm-hmm. and I hate to be that person who said something moved them to tears right. in a game. But genuinely, <laughs> that did. Yeah. And it was probably a very personal thing. It's probably, uh-huh. it just struck certain chords with me, resonated with me on a level that made me feel and think about things. Um, and I thought it was great. Um, and I feel like there's, you know, there's room for those type of games. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There's, there was an art to the storytelling of, of, of Dear Esther where it's kind of like the story is a puzzle in itself. It's not really spelled out for you. And yeah. You're kind of experiencing it in a very direct way. But yeah, no, trust me. I was part of this. There's this thing called the Indie Biz List, um, which is where a bunch of different developers bitch about why they're not on Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, that's, that's great. Uh, uh, we, we, but they, they argued about that. That was like, the, it's like the point of contention is like, is this a game? Right. Sure, or is, sure. It, or is this, and it's like, I don't know. It seems like art to me. And that's, in the end, that's what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, if, exactly. If you had a good experience, it's whatever. But, um, well, in something like Heavy Rain, like I, I really, I really like a game like that where it's like, yeah, it doesn't feel like a game, but there's just it kind of draws you in with like just the slightest amount of interaction, kind of allows you to feel like you're yeah. part of this character. So I can, I can kind of get behind that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, like I, those are the ty- type of games where I'd be more willing to go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But I get it. You're right. Like, right. Right. It's. It's. I, I can't think of. I can't think of one game out there. Um. I can think of a card game. I thought I shouldn't talk about it, though. <laughs> uh, we, we, I don't want to make enemies. Sure, sure, sure. We talked about Pokemon a little bit already. Like, are you are you uh, like up to date with the current generation? Have, have, you, you, have you played Sun and Moon? Do you have yet? a favorite? Um, I uh, I got Sun and Moon and I didn't play it. Um, it's very linear. <laughs> it's yeah. extremely linear. It's it, it's to that point. Okay, so I love Pokemon. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Love the sure. idea, the concept, fucking fantastic. That is my bread and fucking butter. <laughs> I would love to make a Pokemon game in the future. Right. Eugenics was uh-huh. a playoff of Pokemon. Okay, right? uh-huh. that's, what, that's okay. what it was about. And um, yeah. Do you do you do you have a favorite generation? Uh, I like the first generation. That's yeah. the generation I started with. Uh-huh. My yeah. my my favorite Pokemon is coughing. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with coughing with the K. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you could probably find a bunch of different characters in my games that look like a lot like coughing. Right. Uh, <laughs> I love the design. Like the character yeah. designs were just fantastic. Um, I like Pokemon Go more than. The, oh really? Yes. Really? Yeah. Yes, I think. Um, Pokemon Go. I, I I see. I feel like such a fucking poser. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I Pokemon Go and Overwatch are the like two games and The Witness, the two games that I, the three games that I've played, and I've been most been like, wow, this is really fucking cool. Oh, yeah. In the past two years, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It um, Pokemon Go. Yeah, people people at this point love to like. I'll, I'll tweet something about. It and people are like you're so fucking playable. <laughs> <laughs> what do you yeah. like? What do you like so much about? It? I mean, I like it too. I'm just like yeah. I'm curious. I really. I, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's the fact that like 
it's first generation, so I'm reliving uh-huh. I'm reliving the original. Right, right? it's like, nostalgia factor. Um, the social aspect is super fucking interesting. Yeah, um, really, really cool experience the first month playing oh yeah yeah i was like i remember the the first week like i would go to the park and everybody everyone was there's a hundred people there and there's people that have never played pokemon don't know what it is right like i remember uh so me and my wife would head up and she was pregnant at the time we'd head up on the wharf and and walk the the length of the wharf wharf repeatedly and it was just super hot spot Uh and uh Get to the end, people would be fishing and they'd be like these fucking nerds blah 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 (laughs) and then you'd like go away from them they'd be like What's that giant? What's that giant thing? It looks like a, it looks like a pitcher. Uh-huh. Like what is that thing? And it's like they're fucking playing it. Right. <laughs> they're fucking. They have no fucking clue. Right. What these things are, and yeah. they're scoffing at everybody playing, and they're totally into it. And I don't know. I think it's the excitement of of other people getting into it. And there's a lot. I'm in awe of how simplistic that game is, yet how compelling it still is. Totally. Like. like it's really interesting. It was just crazy that you could go out at night and it would still be like, we, oh, yeah. Bellingham is a college town and it came out during the summer and just like, you go out and just like kids, just like, as if it was like, <laughs> yeah, you would think it was Halloween, like kids well, it, just no, everywhere. Yeah. Like it, it was crazy. It felt like this social event. Cause I remember I went to a spot where there was like three Pokestops. And so everyone was just putting lures on them. And uh-huh. uh, me and my friends saw that there was lures. So we walked over and there was like 30 people who like didn't know each other. And they're just yeah. hanging out and talking about Pokemon. And it was, yeah, it was, it was so cool. It, it was just like, I've never, ex- I don't think I've experienced anything like that since like, yeah, I never have. It was, yeah. it was, um, I mean, we all got to be part of like, this insane social experiment. Oh, right, yeah. It was like, yeah, the wharf, there was a point in time where there were at least 300 people oh just covering the wharf. <laughs> just like, and then you'd, somebody crazy. would say, Gengar! Yeah, and, and it's like, they just ah! yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it was like, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> having the locator stuff all busted up then and like, right. it almost made it more magical uh-huh. because oh, the yeah. shit was so rare and got to go through the, you know, the, the, the few days that we had Website trackers that you could cheat. Right, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And uh, no, yeah, it's it's pretty insane. Like, again, I feel like a huge dork, but I'm totally <laughs> loving it. Like, I uh, I think I'm all I need is a muck because uh-huh. fucking their grimers are really rare here. Mm-hmm, I think I yeah. found three uh-huh. um, and a dugong. Because <laughs> seals are somehow rare in Santa Cruz, I don't know how uh-huh. that's even. Oh, it's too warm. Uh, it's too warm. They can't thrive. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I need um, a Lapras and okay. uh, maybe two babies. Uh-huh. Okay, and I've and actually got them all. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I've never and I played the I've played the shit out of like every Pokemon except for the latest one. Right. Uh-huh. And I've never been a person to try to catch them. It's all. Never been about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Never been. A, yeah. Never been a that, was, that was me. It was all See, about I'm, catching I'm, them all. I'm with me. forty away from a living Dex or like forty or fifty. <laughs> no, really. I'm so <laughs> That's close. crazy. Oh, <laughs> See, that was never a thing to me. And then it's like. This game streamlined it for me though, because that's uh-huh. what it's about. It's just yeah. about catching them all. And like Yeah, yeah. And that's like the purest Pokemon yeah. can get. I don't know. Right. It is pretty cool. I was eighteen, I think, when mm-hmm. Pokemon started booming and the cartoon came out. Okay. And uh the Game Boy I think the first week of the Game Boy hitting the States <clears throat> the Game Boy version, I think I had I had blue and my cousin had red. But I, I went over to his house, it was I think it was during the summer, and he's like you ever heard of this game called Pokemon? <laughs> or no, the show called Pokemon. Uh-huh. And I was like, no. And he's like, yeah, my little brother watches it and it's 
it's like all these thousands of, well, you know, thousands right. of weird creatures. Right, uh-huh. And they all just say their name. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> really? And that's, he's like, oh, it's totally insane. That's such a great way to describe the show. And it, yeah. was, it was so comparable they all just to say this, their name. this thing in the 80s um, called Muscle Men. It, um, and it was mm. all abbreviated. And it was another um, really like got to catch them all yeah, right, situation. Uh-huh. And uh, we were really into that back then. And just the collection aspect was really cool. And he's like, hey, you want to go? It's a game. You want to get it? Right. And like, yeah, okay. <laughs> of course. So we both bought it and then literally stayed up for the next two days playing it. Oh, wow. And had no idea about the game, about mm-hmm. evolutions, about uh-huh. anything. Yeah. We went, it was completely blind uh-huh. and it was one of the greatest game oh, experiences. Oh, I, yeah. I agree. Well, that's what I love. Like that game feels very like kind of Metro, Metroidvania almost like just yeah. in the way that it's it, like, it's the least linear in the entire series. Like, it's just, there's so many there. Like I remember that when we finally didn't go to sleep, my cousin didn't go to sleep. I went to sleep <laughs> right before we went to sleep. We found that patch of Abra's right in the right, beginning yeah. of the game. And he's like, He's like, they keep teleporting away. I don't know what to do. Right. It's like, I was like, oh, well, whatever. So I go to sleep. I wake up and he goes, I fucking caught one. Right. And it turned into a cadabra, you know? And yeah, it's right, like, yeah. And it's like, what? It's like, Abra, that's all he cadabra. did. All he did was find out a way. He, he, I think he used a Paris to put it to sleep uh-huh. to then catch it and then leveled it up while I was sleeping. And it was just like, whoa. Yeah, and that kind of stuff, <laughs> that was like unprecedented in gaming. Are there any, uh, are there any like shows you're watching now? Do you watch TV? Any oh, yeah. Mo- I watch a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, any yeah, movies I, that were big influences? Oh, chill yeah, out. Sure. Um, yeah, movies and music are way more influential on me than games when uh-huh. it comes to art in general. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, I'm into really weird stuff, as you probably would have <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, growing up, like, Troma movies and uh, Tim Burton movies, just uh-huh. horror movies in general. Right. And like, again, growing up in the eighties, uh, video rental stores were really huge, and there was always the horror section. Yeah, I saw that, had, that that Beetlejuice cut out. Yeah, 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 that's great. And it had just you know the horror section of of any rental store for a kid like me was just the most inspiring thing in the world because you've got all these sensationalized cover boxes that look oh, so yeah. fucking cool, right. and you got the back. <laughs> Which has, you know, maybe three or four of the goriest shots of the movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then as a kid, you get to, like, try to figure out what this movie is about. Yeah. Like, by putting those things together. I love that so much. That was a huge part of my childhood growing up. And uh, I got away with renting a lot of movies I wasn't supposed to see. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about music? What are some of the um, some music? I listen to a lot of different music. Mostly just rock music. Uh-huh. Aggressive, weird music. But... Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, there's just such a range. Yeah. Um, but yeah, growing up uh, in the 90s as a teenager, uh-huh. there was a lot of good music then. Right. Um, and very accessible, I guess, good music. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's much harder. You have to really work to find something good, new, and <laughs> inspiring. Like, well, what would like a teenage Edmund, if he had, Edmund had to like, go like go see a concert of anyone, like who would who would he go see? Uh, well, I did uh, probably Nirvana. For sure, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which came through town. My my dad was a bouncer at, at um, the Catalyst. Oh, um, cool! And uh, I almost saw Nirvana, but I wasn't old enough to. Go. Oh no! <laughs> That's so sad. He used to give me autographs. Part of this like, podcast. I have like Eddie Vedder's <laughs> autograph and uh, a bunch of other people, oh, like cool. uh, Dinosaur Junior. And That's awesome. A bunch of like good bands. He would always just give me shirts with signatures on them. I was like, fucking cool. <laughs> I need I need music 
to survive. Like I need music to work. Mm-hmm. Like I, right. The, the most inspiring thing for me is to just like, you know, I go up to my office and put on an album that feels right. And mm-hmm. I play it as loud as possible. And I just work. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, you'd be surprised how much random songs, uh, lyrics and just feelings in songs will inspire whole games. Right. Yeah. Like, um, there's just so much you can do with music that, um, is hard to execute in the same way in other mediums. Yeah. Um, it just like can convey like, yeah, just like a feeling like, a, like this it's pu- visceral. It's, it's, yeah. It's, right. it's visceral and it happens like it sucks as, as an artist who makes these long winded you know, <laughs> <laughs> experiences yeah. that are interactive. I can never go on stage and scream a lyric <laughs> right, yeah. and have, and, and move somebody in the same way. Yeah. That, you know, like oh, I have to fucking yeah. <laughs> type out a random bit of dialogue, uh, an expressive character, and five hundred and ten uh-huh. items. Yeah, right. Exactly. The, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah, the music in Isaac, which is like this, like wonderfully like creepy music. Is that was that like specifically inspired by anything? Or uh, yeah, uh, uh, when Matthias remade the music for Rebirth, um, or even when Danny did too, I I, I would. I always send the musicians that I work with a bunch of reference points. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, for Isaac, it was a lot of Danny Elfman. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was like Danny Elfman meets Pagany. So <laughs> Matthias uh, had a band name called Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Uh-huh. Okay. And they're like, it's hard to describe, but it's kind of like uh, hippie, pagan, post-apocalyptic, <laughs> right. you know, metal. Yeah. And... There was a darkness there that I thought was super appropriate, and I wanted him to reference that, as well as you know the um, whimsical darkness of Danny Elfman, right? Yeah, the uh-huh. Tim Burtony stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, you know, kind of have a more uh, thick, uh, like atmosphere. I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. I-, I definitely wanted to push the atmosphere in the remake because. The graphics and everything looked more lush and atmospheric. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I felt like the music needed to feel more at- atmospheric. Uh, so uh, this was just something I thought of, uh, and it's just kind of like a question I'm curious about: Who did the trailer for Rebirth? Like that just <laughs> jarring. Like I don't which know which one. The I, I'm trying to. I just remember there's this one I saw that like felt like a subliminal message was being the one with naked people. Or yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one with naked. James did that one as well as the original. Um, which was a playoff of the Legend of Zelda one, but um, yeah, I literally told James to just go fucking nuts. <laughs> okay. I mean, tra- like trailer for Isaac, it's kind of like like I'm not going to put a traditional trailer out there and convince anybody who doesn't know what Isaac is to buy the game. Right, like, right, sure. yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> totally. So I might as well make something insane that <laughs> kind of like sums up the insanity of, of what the game has to offer sure. for people that don't yeah. know what it is. Right, Absolutely. Yeah. I'd rather have a really interesting, artistically weird uh-huh. <laughs> video out there than something, you know, cool or traditional. Sure. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. So, you know, I gave him a few bucks and he got people to get naked. All right. <laughs> That's so great. I have the bag. I have the one of the bag heads. He sent me. Oh, it's over there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, Super cool. I mean, James is the is the guy I'm working with for Bumbo. Like okay, he, yeah. He's, oh, he's programming and, and doing all the 3D stuff, and he's great to work with. And uh-huh. um, I worked with him on another secret project, which hopefully we can get back into 
you know, maybe next year. But, um, yeah. And he, uh, he's, you did uh, fingered with him, right? I did fingered yeah, uh-huh. with him. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. That was very fun. That was, um, <laughs> that was very uh, old school for me to do that. That really quick. Yeah. Fun, inspired, weird experience. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what people really thought, but <laughs> I mean, it, it was basically free. So. Uh, as much as I would love to talk about Pokemon and music forever, um, uh, we should probably get to the takeaway. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so the takeaway, which is just like one blurb, like if someone just fast forwarded, what's the thing you want them to be left with? Maybe I can describe yeah, it. I don't I know. Like, that's like everyone's reaction. They're like, oh. They're just like, oh. All right, don't release this episode. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> what is the takeaway? Fuck. Um, the hardships that you face in life um paint a picture of who you are and you can really utilize those things to make something positive and impactful and basically i'm not the kind of person that cries over spilt milk and i have i've had a difficult time growing up and i know a lot of people have but um i never look back and feel regret and I never look back and feel bad for myself or sorry for myself. Um, I always try to do what I can to move forward. And, um, sometimes those really bad things that happen to you in life, um, just flesh you out into this very more whole person. Um, and, uh, yeah, I could say without those things in my life, I probably wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am today. And, um, you got to kind of like wear those like a badge and, and uh, I guess be inspired by find the beauty in some of the ugliest things. Yeah, right. Totally, I love it. Cool. Yeah. It's so well said. Yeah, that <laughs> was like that was great. Uh, um, let's get into plugs. Yeah, yeah. plugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we plugged the <laughs> crap out of your games already, but yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Twitter. We'll, I guess. we'll cut out the secret project thing if the secret project thing isn't uh, has not been released by. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it probably won't be. I'll show it to you guys though. But um, cool. Yeah, plugs. Oh uh, yeah, Bumbo. <laughs> All right. Bumbo's coming out by the end of the year. It'll be cool. Great, sweet. Um, and then hopefully have something out by mid this year that will be neat. Sweet. All right. Cool. Uh, um, I've got I've got some plugs. You got some plugs. Uh, right. You can follow me at k underscore hoog. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, we can plug or, your Twitter. Yeah. Or then uh, it's not out currently, but hopefully by the time this comes out, uh, me and my buddy. Uh, are working on a Let's Play channel. We're trying to beat a bunch of games uh, that shouldn't be beaten with two people, with two people, including Binding of Isaac. So, <laughs> gonna do the whole thing co-op or try to. Um, and yeah, uh, do you want to plug your Twitter, Twitter handle? Oh, it's just my, my name. Just yeah, Edmund McMillan. All right, and I'm at John Lee two seven one. That's all I've got. Yeah, cool. <laughs> all right, Edmund, thank you so much yeah, for being on our so podcast. You were no a great guest. All right, Kev, you good? Yeah. All right, hit that button. Thanks for listening to The Process. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, be sure to give us a like over at facebook.com slash The Process with John and Kevin, uh, or subscribe over at soundcloud.com slash The Process with John and Kevin, or follow us. <laughs> so many things. Listen. So many things. Follow us over at Process Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on basically any podcasting app. You can find us on iTunes. I don't know. Uh, next week, we continue our San Jose Rock. trip. Rump? Trip. Romp. Trump. We are romp. We continue our San Jose streak with uh, musician Devin 
Macias. Did I say it right? Yeah, yeah. Macias. De- Devin, Devin Macias. He's a musician. He's, uh, San Jose. Yeah, he's from... He, he plays in Slime Girls. Uh, he has a current project called Junior Adelberg. And they they released uh, after we recorded him, but before this episode is coming out. Okay. Uh, he put out a new record. And it's really, it's really dope. Check and it out. And we're going to play some tracks. Yeah, anyways, check it out next week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs>